Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. today you know what it is it's arthur motes wesley euler stealing nation radio for the next two hours oh man it's gonna be a blast of a show today i mean because we got plenty to talk about we got new hirings right here for your pittsburgh steelers we also got to play a little huh, could we be the gm yeah no gotta have a little make-believe well, GM like day to day. and then from there man we got to talk about positions of need for this up coming draft so without further ado i'm arthur most got my great haired colleague with me mr wesley eula and this is an interactive show i know people are used to like hey man are you live today are we not live today yes we're live today and when we are live you know what that means that means interaction and that interaction is best found on the twitter.com at the body 52 the body and at wesley eula the good hair and my good haired colleague man how are we living today i'm all right I'm okay. You sure? I mean, I'm always, listen, I'm always in a good mood when I come in here and chat with you. But no, no, today's not a regular day, though, bro. It's a Moats host Wednesday. But it was also a historical night in Pittsburgh. That's for, very for, true. for a legend. Oh. The captain. The man, the myth, the legend. You know, we don't really talk, you know, other sports. We don't. On this network. Not but too any, much. But anytime, that guy. Yeah. You know that one that wears number 87? Ah. You know that one that has that C on his chest with the black and gold? You know that one I'm talking about? I think I do. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Well, he happened to have his 500th career goal last night. I'm sorry. 500? That's a whole lot of scoring. That's a lot of Skrilla. A whole lot of goals. That's what they would say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I know you've said this before, Arthur Motes, but you go into the Motes household. Come on now. There's only two jerseys on hanging now. on the wall. Come on now. Baby Jesus Troy Palomar. Come on now. And the kid, Sidney Crosby. It's that simple, baby. Yeah, it was one of those cool, not, it, it obviously, because it wasn't the same type of moment that, that Ben had on Monday Night Football right, where right. you're saying goodbye, but it was, it was still I feel awesome like, I feel like happened. I've been saying this a lot lately, and I, t- I stole this from Mike Pursuta like three, four years ago, and I feel like I've been using it a lot lately. Same church, different pew, in the sense of, for a for a milestone like that to happen, you couldn't have scripted it a better way. You know, Ben, Ben goes out beating the Browns, beating a team you hate, a division rival. Sidney Crosby get that gets that 500th goal in an epic comeback against a team you hate, a division rival, the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, that was that was Pittsburgh pretty, over Philly all day every day. That Y'all was heard pretty, it here first. That was pretty cool. I think I think the two coolest sports moments post pandemic, right? Post sports shutdown, mm-hmm. um, in the unprecedented times. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Ben Ben's final game at Heinz Field won what Sidney Crosby did last night too. Yeah, those uh, have been awesome. Both cool moments, <laughs> awesome both to see awesome, in the city, man. awesome crowds. And hey, you know, times like now, when it's cold and when it's dark out at five o'clock and when there's not much going on, you, you certainly need more. Without a doubt. So I figured since it was a most host Wednesday, I could easily, you know, bring kids start Salute. that day off. So shout out to the captain, baby. Salute. Shout out to the captain. But speaking of captains, we officially have our new changing of the guard, our new captain of Ooh, the offensive line. I like that unit. transition there. Well, you know, I've been practicing. You feel me? 
But the Pittsburgh Steelers have officially named Pat Meyer as the team's new offensive line coach. Now, a little bit of history on Pat Meyer. He has over 20 years, or excuse me, 20 years of coaching experience. He was most recently with the Carolina Panthers in the 2020 to 2021 season as their offensive line coach. He had uh, some, um, some stints with the LA Chargers, where he had some success as uh, with their rushing unit, and obviously in pass protection, they obviously, or excuse me, not obviously, but he also spent time up there in Buffalo. Mm. So, you know, anytime a guy spends time in Buffalo, it always makes me smile a little bit. Of course. Of he, course. Was, he was their assistant offensive line coach. Then he has spent time in Chicago as well and even in the Canadian League. But the biggest thing with him is this is what he does. Even dating back to his playing career, even dating back to him coaching collegially, whether we're talking Florida State, Colorado State, or even NC State, he's always been in some capacity associated and affiliated with the offensive line position. Correct. So, with that, um, what were your initial thoughts when you first heard about him being hired? Just, you know, first see the day. Before we Google anything, uh, just... Honestly, just, you want to know, know my yes, first thought? I want the honest knee-jerk reaction. Who? Okay. But to be fair, yes, yes. you could probably only name yes. about five offensive line coaches in the agree. NFL that I, would I wouldn't agree. say, who? I would agree. So I, that was my first reaction. I, that, I just wanted to set the tempo because I felt like, you know how this goes, right? Whenever we get a new hire and people are kind of on the fence about it. Oh, they know him, everything about they, this they guy. They promise as soon as they knew the name, oh, yeah, I've been new. This guy was, I'm oh, like, yeah. yo, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> stop just, it. Just that's, stop all, it. that's the only point I was trying to prove. Stop it, okay? And, and you know what? Listen, I am nothing on this show if not honest, okay? That was my first well, reaction. Well, because for who? me, because for me, I, I had a similar feeling. Um, first like who and then I was like this isn't how you spell Mike Munchak <laughs> I was like hold on man I, I was like I think I think the, I, I think the iPhone tripping I was like you know maybe my Steelers notification that I got the push I, notification I, was it, wrong it gave me an autocorrect on the name and it just put Pat Meyer instead of Mike Munchak and I was like man what is going oh, on here funny funny today <laughs> but in all seriousness after the fact man um when I actually did start to research him and, and just pull up where he's been his mm -hmm. success his failures what is the temperature on him as a coach? It was interesting because, like I said, man, I feel like it's been a little bit of a mixed bag with him. I don't think he falls into the elite category of guys like Mike Munchak, Doug Marone, um, some of these other higher-end name offensive line coaches that we hear about. Um, was it uh, Tom Cable? He's another guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think he's in that category, but at the same time, like, he's above the class of, like, your Adrian Clems and some of, or, or Sean Surrett, some of these younger guys who really don't have a lot of experience trying to really find their way. I feel like he's just that mixed bag of a ton of experience, but not necessarily an elite coach. Hmm. And it kind of gives me a little bit of mixed feeling about that. Sure, sure. You know, just when you're thinking of how do you last that long, but you're not elite, you know, but you're not necessarily terrible either. But you get this mixed bag, this mixed feeling, and I don't know. I, I usually I'm just accustomed to in the NFL. It's either hot or cold. A guy's either proven that be he's good yeah. or he's just bad, and it's that simple. But with him, with Pat, I do feel that gray area with him, and I just didn't. I, I'm just hmm. trying to figure out, you know, like is that normal right now, man? No, that's normal. <laughs> if Motsi, if you're not trying to be, you know, one I want to be a homer. One of the I'm dozens. Trying. Well, if you're not trying to be a homer, because you're right, you can go that way too. Or you can just do the total hot take thing that we always do with something like this. That, oh, it's the worst hire ever. Oh, my goodness. couple layers to this, all right? Mm -hmm. The first is, you know what? It's funny. You started with the salute to Sidney Crosby. I've always said, for me as someone who does this for a living, mm -hmm. and you know, you know, I, I hosted mm -hmm. afternoons on ESPN Pittsburgh for over a year where I was, you know, 
not just talking football. Correct. We talked a lot of hockey. We talked a lot of college sports, basketball. You were very even, diverse. Even some baseball at times. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa. Not really. That's a lot. We, on, on this show, on a Mosos Wednesday, we knock if we don't talk baseball. Knock, knock wood if you don't talk baseball. Okay. Actually, I don't even know if we should continue to do that since it was uh, inspired by. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like. Every time we celebrate oh, Thanksgiving, man. it just makes me feel guilty. Like, ah, why you got to do this to us now? Oh, now man. I feel a little guilty. It's kind of like when you hear the remix to Ignition. Ah, it's just like, ah, I like this song, but not like that See, today. I'm able to separate the artist from the art, though. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I try to, but like, I, I still can feel slimy, to, I can listen to Man in the Mirror and not think about... Still feel slimy, though. Yeah, that's a good point. But I still feel a little slimy. Well, maybe that was the last time we did it there. Yeah. We just go out on a bang, go you out see? with a bang. That's all I'm saying. I, let it lie. I instantly felt bad when I did it. Like, ah. And it was on my day, too. I wish it was a, a, a West Host Monday or West Host Friday for this. Ooh, I don't want that on my tape. <laughs> I, you know, you know, like, I think a lot of the people that know me, you know, Wesley Euler here on Steelers Nation Radio, they, they know the football guy, the Steelers, the WVU, right? Yeah. But you know this, and I, a lot of other people know this. I've worked in hockey before. You know, I, I, I call no, like intimately worked I, in hockey. Yeah, 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 like boots on the ground. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot like Jake in the leagues that Jake Gensel played in and, and a lot of these guys. Um, I currently call soccer and baseball. Oh, no, I said it again. And and You're wrestling and, trouble today, man. and volleyball for WVU on ESPN Plus, right? Like I, I think I have covered and been around a lot of sports in my, you know, kind of college and now professional life, that 14, 15 year span. I've always said the two hardest things for me to do as a broadcaster, and you ready for this tra- transparency? Uh-oh. You ain't getting any of this with any of these other hot take jabronis Uh-oh. in this town. The two hardest things for me to do are to evaluate goaltenders in hockey mm-hmm. and offensive line in football. Mm. From a sitting here and turning on the microphone and being fortunate enough to have the small platform that I have and to be able to do this for a living, the two hardest things for me to evaluate and judge mm-hmm. are goaltenders in hockey because you, it, it, it's just so tough to delegate the play in front of them, right? right? It, it, yeah, I think you get where I'm going with that one. How much is on the goalie versus how much is on the team in front of them? And offensive line play. Yeah. Because they're just hard to evaluate. There's so many moving parts. There's a lot of minutia to get into. And this is in a moment where I say to you, I'm, not I'm an, glad I'm not, we get to work together. I'm not Craig Wolfley and Tunch Yokin sitting right. here, and I, I know good. everything about the offensive line. It's tough to but evaluate. See, that, that's why the beauty of us working together is this. I happen to be an expert yeah. in evaluating offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> Did it at a high level for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's part of my addiction. I like just studying players, okay? You get what I'm saying with no, that, absolutely. Though. Like, because who honestly, missed the though, assignment? Who no, was and, going and, the and wrong way? In all seriousness, way? though, in all seriousness, a lot of people are like that. People don't want to admit it because they, they feel like to, no, if they, they admit, admit it, it discredits yeah. their uh, their validity and they don't feel like they can speak on it. Just because you're not an expert at something doesn't mean you can't speak on it. As long as you educate yourself, you could talk about it. I mean, it's no different. We talk football in here, right? You educate yourself, you talk about it. Mm-hmm. But with that being the case, man, a guy like Pat, and when you think about his various stops— Obviously, we think short-term in the sense of Carolina, and when I think of their offensive line, it was bad. I mean, these past two years. But at the same time, I do think it was a mixed bag of reasons why it was bad. I thought personnel-wise, it wasn't the best. Questionable people that they had out there. Some of it was due to injury. Um, I also thought that them not having Christian McCaffrey for large stretches of time affected them as well. Because I go to myself and I say here in Pittsburgh, what were we dealing with? I said, man... We necessarily didn't have a ton of the 
injuries per se on the offensive line, but our personnel, we just didn't have the guys that we necessarily would have wanted out there. Right. But then I said to myself, well, imagine what our offensive line or our running game would have looked like minus Najee Harris. <laughs> so my perception of the Steelers offensive line would probably be drastically worse if I did not have my elite running back to go with this offensive line that was in transition. So when I look at Carolina these past two years, that's kind of what I feel when I leave watching the tape. I'm like, okay, I think some of this is personnel. Maybe some of this can be technique related, and that falls on coaching. But then I look at who's running the ball, and I'm like, well, man, if this back hits this hole like this or this back makes that guy miss, right. we're not seeing this. Yes. And at the NFL level, I do want backs to be able to at least make one guy miss. At least one. At least one. <laughs> so that was kind of like that mixed bag feeling yeah, because yeah. Carolina, it didn't look good for him. Carolina, you, I mean, I had a chance to talk to one of their uh, post-game uh, post-game uh, personalities and stuff like that who covers mm-hmm, the team, and, mm-hmm. you know, he was really down on Pat Meyer. And I understand. I'm like, man, if you're covering that team and you watch them and this is what you feel, like, I get that. But then you cut on the Chargers tape. You go and look at history there, and it's like, man, under them, 2018 season. 1,873 yards. That was the team's highest rushing total dating Mm. back to 2013. You talk about the 2017 season for that Chargers unit. Allowed a NFL low 17 sacks. That's the team's fewest sacks that they had allowed since 1982. So when I think of that, I say, well, hey, those are pretty good results. I said, hey, I didn't think that the Cardinals offensive line in 17 to 19 was the most talented O-line in the league. I never thought that. Nope, nope. In fact, I'm pretty sure we kind of thought the opposite at times. I think we did. Like, man, you know, they could, they, they need some – if they upgrade here or here, man, they'll be all right. They could be really good. Now, when we talk about that rushing attack, who were the running backs in 2017 through 2019? We're talking Melvin Gordon. We're mm-hmm. talking Austin Eckler's. Mm-hmm. I respect both of those running backs, but forgive me, they're both not Najee Harris. They're not Derrick Henry out there. You know, so I just feel like, man, if you had that success with just that caliber of running back, what could you do when you actually have a legit guy with you, right? So then I also thought about Mm. that unit. I'm like, man, 17 sacks, NFL low. Now, we know sack numbers can be a little skewed at times. We saw that here in Pittsburgh. But the one thing we can all agree is you'd rather have low sack numbers than high sack numbers. Absolutely. Regardless of how it's coming about, regardless of the criticism related with it, you you do not want your quarterback getting hit. Yep. And when I think about what we're going to be dealing with next year and, you know, probably forward for these next couple of years is an experience at quarterback. Yeah. Youth potentially at quarterback, Youth. whether it's Mason, whether it's Haskins, whether it's somebody we draft, or you're getting mid-tier veteran in terms of hmm. a Marcus Mariota, a, a Tyrod Taylor type, maybe a Derek Carr type, right? Somebody in that vein that you would have to give a little bit more for, but they're not proven products. They're not good, good players, right. but guys that aren't going to necessarily they're not elevate force, everybody not around them. Multipliers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I think of all that in context, I say, well, man, a guy like Pat kind of fits this scenario. He kind of fits this because, number one, when I look at his resume, I say he has a lot of different experiences, highs and lows, highs and lows. And I like that because it lets me know that he's a guy that's been consistent. He's been able to maneuver and handle success and handle failures. Sure. It's, I mean, we just read it off right there, his previous two stops. They're night and day in terms of perception. Hmm. But – we also know here in Pittsburgh, you're going to have that roller coaster as well because we know as our fan base, as media coverage, we're going to get put on pedestals and we win one or two games in a row, and then they're going to crucify you when you lose two in a row. Especially with the offensive line because Absolutely. it's been a problem now two years in a row, and that's something that everyone is in tune with and paying attention to. Absolutely, but knowing a guy like Pat has been in situations 
where he's had to already maneuver that, yeah. where he's had to manage guys in that scenario. It just gives me a little bit more sense of comfort that, hey, man, he's been here before. He's done this. Sure. And I also like the fact that when you're talking about 20 years of coaching experience, but, I mean, you talk about these different NFL stops that he's went to. I'm like, man, these aren't, you know, bottom-of-the-barrel franchises. It's not like we're talking about he's only going to expansion team, expansion team. It's like, no, man, you've been to some legit places. And during those time frames, like, even those teams were either on the transition of becoming really good mm-hmm. or they were kind of in that conversation of, whoa, we got expectations, but they kind of uh, underwhelmed. Carolina, case in point, because when they made the Sam Donald trade, those expectations did rise. I get that. And the quarterback play in Carolina did not help them at all. Did not either. help. I just want to throw that out at there. All. It did not help them at all. But once again, that's another variable into why it looked the way that it looked. Sure. Now, I'm not making these, I'm not saying bringing these up to make excuses for him, but it's more so context. It's more so just painting that picture. So now when we talk about Pat, it's like, man, well, we've heard, yeah, he can have success and he's seen success and we can point to it. But at the same time, we know, hey, he can struggle. So with this, the question I would paint to you or I would point to you is this Does hiring Pat make you feel that we have to put even more onus on the personnel? that we have at the offensive line unit? Or do you feel that he is a guy that can develop these guys that we currently have here to a level that we would feel comfortable with? Hmm. Because that's I felt a good like, question. Because like with the Mike Munchak, probably a combination right? of both. Right, because if it was a Mike Munchak, we wouldn't be feeling like, hey, we got to get the best guys in the draft. People we got to get the best out yesterday, Mike Munchak would turn Kendrick Green into right. a stud. Right. There's let, there's some nuance there. It definitely is. And let, let's also not act like, and we know what Mike Munchak did here. You were a firsthand witness to it. The, there's a lot of guys whose bank accounts are firsthand witnesses yes. to it with other teams, but it also wasn't a. Here I go again. It also wasn't the Sistine Chapel for Mike Munchak these past three years in Denver. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line struggled. Their run game struggled. I don't think they ever finished higher than 15th in three years in that mm-hmm. department. So again, personnel versus coaching. All those things. I don't say that to poo-poo Mike Munchak. I just say that to point out that he hasn't also walked on water for the three years since he's been gone. It's It's got to be a combination of both, though, right? You certainly have to have the personnel, but you got to be able to coach these guys up. You have to be able to get the best out of what you've got. And I you know, I, I love the the Christian McCaffrey example that you make there and, and how you related it to Najee Harris. I think that, to me, is, is a kind of perfect explanation or example of why you should take last year and his one-and-done tenure with the Panthers with a grain of salt. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had less than 100 carries last year. You know how many Najee had? Over 300. He had 307 carries last season. Imagine what the Steelers' run game, imagine what even more poo-pooing of the offensive line in the run game that we would be doing if Najee Motes had a third of the carries that he had. Imagine if Naj mm-hmm. has less than 100 carries this past season instead of over 300. Mm-hmm. That is significant. So if if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy and plays 17 games last year, hell, if he plays 14, 15, 16 games. Right, it's night and day. Maybe Pat's still, you know, down in Charlotte. But, but that's the NFL. That's the nature of the beast. That's the way these things go. We know the Panthers, they've got a head coach right there that is kind of on thin ice a little bit. And so... 
those things a lot of times. Man, it's crazy to think. Someone I mean, else they gave has them to, like the, the, the mega a deal. Huge deal. And some and so when that happens, kind of similar to some of the stuff that happened with John Gruden while he was, you know, still the head coach of the Raiders. When someone invests in you like that and believes in you like that, everybody else is gonna have to fall on the grenades of the problems and take the blame. In, in, until finally it comes back to you if the results don't happen. I'm not saying I know for sure that's what happened with Pat down in, down in, in, in Charlotte, but I certainly think that— I don't think it is—, is it's, out, it's not out of the equation. Correct. That's what I said. I don't think it's too that, far-fetched hey, to believe we had that. a bad year. Yeah. We got to get rid of somebody. You know, let's, let's, let's go for the offensive line coach. I think that that's definitely a real possibility, or again, at least that the story would have been different if Christian McCaffrey— doesn't have less than a hundred touches, man. That's one of the most electric guys in the league, and he just was not available. I Motes, I know that this is not, you know, again, but I do think I think you and I have been doing this long enough. People know what they're getting from us. Yeah, we pick up new listeners along the way, and if so, welcome to the party, you jabronis. But you and I are the nuanced guys. You and I are the get into the minutia, and and you know everything doesn't have to be a hard line. You don't have to draw a line in the sand and say. Pat Meyer stinks and it's the worst hire ever and why didn't they go get Munch? You don't have to be on on one side and say, yeah, he's amazing and he deserves every benefit of the doubt for what happened last year because of Christian McCaffrey. There's room there to wait and see. And the whole, like, you know, yesterday on Twitter, there was everyone was criticized. It was always going to get criticized, this decision, if it wasn't Mike Munchak. It was always, people were always going to hate it if it wasn't Mike Munchak. So I know this is not what... A lot of sports fans like, but I think our audience does. I think we've built this thing up. You're going to have to wait and see. Anybody- I'm not, not going to lie. Anytime we start talking nuance. Minutia. I start to feel like the, the, the little meme. I think it was, uh, oh, my goodness. It's not, who, who's the guy? You see the meme where he's, like, standing there with the sword and the whole army's oh, coming Oh, John Snow. John Snow. Yeah, Game I, was of like, Thrones. I, I was like, I kept saying it's Snowden. I'm like, it was not Snowden. It's not Snowden. You know Snowden. That's we're, how I feel. I'm like, it's nuance time. We're supposed to sit here and we're it's supposed to say, time. oh, this Pat Meyer guy stunk <laughs> last year, and why didn't you go get Mike Munchak? Or... Listen, y- y- you have to wait and see. And clearly, you know, I think it is funny. Everyone goes, uh, hires from outside of the organization. Hires from outside of the organization. Get rid of Matt Canada. Bring somebody in from outside the organization. Oh, you promoted Terrell Austin. Oh, you're more than likely we all think going to hire Brandon Hunter, Omar Khan. <laughs> outside the organization. Outside the organization. And then you go outside the organization? Uh, no, not that one. That's not the one that we wanted. We didn't mean that organization. No, it is funny, man. And that's the thing, though. It's like you can never please everybody. And that was kind of going back to the conversation we had on Monday about Aaron Donald coming back to prove something. It's like people are always going to have something to say always they are always going to criticize you take a chance on an adrian Klim who doesn't have anywhere near the nfl experience but at the same time nowhere near the nfl negativity either but yet you know people complain about that hire mm-hmm. now you bring in a guy that has a ton of nfl experience outside the organization but like you said oh he's not the one that we wanted so yes we have an issue but the one thing i'll say is this man if i'm comparing and contrasting recent hires I love this hire more than I love the Mad Canada hire because this guy's already proven that he is at least competent at this level, that he can at least thrive in multiple organizations at this level. Matt Canada, he's still getting his chance to prove that. It's only and, his third year right, as an NFL third coach. Year. Yeah, and this is going to be a big year for that, but it's just different when you're talking about a guy that when we hired Matt Canada, he didn't have any no NFL, NFL experience. experience. Yep. But yet we were a lot more optimistic, whereas this guy has 20 years. Yeah, and he's been in the NFL since 2013. Was in college before that and has been in the NFL now for a decade. Long time, man. Long time. But yet, 
because we've seen some negative experiences for him, we focus on the negative and just minimize anything that he had success with. And that's the part where it's like, when we start doing that, that's more that narrative that we're talking about. Don't paint narratives, man. Just watch tape. Just just take the facts as they are. And that lets you know that with Pat, he is a mixed bag. He's going to be kind of good. You want to make sure that he has the right pieces with him, though. That's kind of like how I left feeling. I was like, I don't feel like we can skim necessarily with the offensive line, but I do think right. with the right talent, he can make sure that they are out there doing what they're supposed to do. I think that's well said by you. I think you want to, you want to set him up to succeed. And we all know right now the offensive line is not in the greatest of positions. Not in the not in the greatest of positions. It's it can be these things can change really quick. That's life in the NFL. You can you can turn it around, I think, faster than any other sport. Um, but I, I do think that there needs to be some priority to certainly in free agency in the draft. Um, try and, and some tools to succeed here because yes, again. You always you have to be able to squeeze all that juice out of your personnel. It's funny this this feels like you know Adam Crowley and I have this conversation as it relates to college football all mm-hmm. the time. Would you rather have for your your position coaches in college football? I'd be interested to get your take on this. For your position coaches in college football. Would you rather have someone who's a really good recruiter or someone who's a really good coach? Now, obviously, the balance is between both. Unless you're if you're at Ohio State or Alabama, do you have to be the greatest recruiter in the world? Probably not. You're gonna get well, most you're gonna get most of the guys that you want. I'm not gonna lie. After watching what happened with Urban Meyer and hearing him talk, it sounds like he was more of a great recruiter than a great coach. Mm, that's a fair point. I mean, you heard what he said. At the NFL level, but it's definitely he, about scheme but and could coaching. Urban Meyer, well, college is more so about. See, recruiting. now I say that. And that's I'm, what he said. He had success at Utah. He had yeah. I was just gonna say, could Urban Meyer do what he did at Ohio State at Pitt? Yeah. I mean, like you say he did do Utah. I mean, in Bowling Green before that, right. it was like the best four years that they've had in program history. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the balance that you have to strike of, yes, you got to be able to squeeze all the potential juice out of these guys, but you also have to have some four- and five-star guys to work with yes. and and not just, you know, guys that, that maybe don't have the most pedigree or the most talent or the most just natural raw skill. I believe you said that very nice and eloquently right there. And I like when you talk like that, honestly. You funny, man. Man, I, I feel like, like I, you today. I mean, I like you every day, but I like well, you, you today. You only, you only like me because I'm in the host chair. And with that being said, I know I got to get a, get ready for a break. But what I want to do is this, man. Before we go to break, Power Grid Megawatts, let us know your thoughts on Pat Meyer being hired as the Steelers offensive line coach. Do you like that hire? Do you not like that hire? Do you feel like, you know, you really wanted to go with a different candidate? Either way, let us know at Dubody52. And at Wesley Euler. The good hat. And when we come back, we will put on our GM hats. Oh, I like And discuss this. three things that we currently like about this Steelers roster and like team. This. And three things that we don't mm, like about this team. Bang, bang. And as you already know, this is Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler on SNR.